that's what we should do is get the AI to pitch in get there the, a different voice. To, to do something like that. Basically to have it listen to me doing my NPR voice and then have the P- it your learn. Your PBR voice? No, PBR well, voice. The, those are different. So the PBR voice is Northern Wisconsin <laughs> and, and a little bit more slurred. And the NPR voice, as we've discussed before, is just all about classical music and and throwing shade on people very dryly like hi everybody welcome to two dads talking um the wine i'm drinking is older than mia kafili's or whatever the fuck her name is wine when she tried to say it was older than the apartheid state because she's a huge asshole about the whole conflict well of course she is when it's stretched out i mean you know so hi everybody welcome to do that talking and now we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna do, i'm gonna start off with a hot take about the israel hamas stuff i don't care what you actually think about it if you have anything to say about the people that are kidnapping babies and murdering concert goers and your 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 tweet or your sentence or anything says but in it then you're the bad guy i'm sorry you are i know it was bad that they paraglided in and shot everybody but no Nope, stop. Shouldn't have said it. Whatever it is, it's 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 wrong. It's bad. I I read a point that it was a perfect point. It said if this attack had been anti-Israel, they wouldn't have murdered concert goers. They would have attacked like a government building or or a defense structure or or a government official or something like that. But they went for just people out trying to have a good time. So it was anti-Semitic, not anti-Israel. Good day. See, real, covered a whole hot, topic. Just a like hot that. take there. That was a real Charlie Weiss <laughs> hot take right there is what that was. <laughs> With Aaron Rodgers is in it. <laughs> Charlie Weiss had a real hot take today. Kind of blew oh, my no. mind. It was, it was super, uh, super deep level and, and really outside the box. The, the Miami Dolphins are probably a playoff team this year. That's what Just, he said? That's what that's he said. That's not that hot of a take. Yeah. yeah hot, well, for him, it's a hot take. For Charlie Weiss, that's scalding hot. You kidding me? Stake his claim. Like the radio tower was was actually cherry. I could see it just heat waves radiating with the radio waves. So what he doesn't want you to know is that his wife told him to say something like that over dinner, which they love. Which they love. Because it's the time for the two of them. Yes. (laughs) They love that dinner. Because it's not his hot take. It would be much less cool or much more cool. Excuse me. Much more cool. Much more if it was his wife's take. Yes. Icy cold. It's like ambient energy. It's an ambient take. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to coin that right now. I'm going to make an ambient take where I just repeat someone else's hot take and try to take aftershock credit for it. I'm just going to keep calling it a Charlie Weiss take, but I like that. The ambient take is, is a good term. I like that. The The whole Hamas thing, honestly, I, I'm just in the camp that we as human beings have become so tribal that we don't value individual life and pay it respect for what it should be. Someone who has been a lot closer to death than, than probably most people. Mm. When you take someone's life, you are literally taking everything from them. And I know you can argue about, you know, the, the afterlife and you can, I'm talking about here in this world, when you take someone's life, you are taking literally everything from them. There, there's no greater, you, you can't take anything worse. And you are also taking them, all of them away from the people that love them. And there's no going back. You know, there are lines that once you cross a line, you can't come back from and, and taking a life is, is just one of them. So to do that, you need to have a real justification. And um, right. we have become so tribal. We have become so us versus they. In the Jungian sense, we, we've become so much us against the other that we've stopped caring about human lives in general. And it's just about whose life we value less than ours. And these things become more acceptable and keep happening. And I'm uh, 
at the risk of sounding like a really sensitive, really delicate flower, I'm, I'm really sick of people not valuing human lives. Um, and it's just that simple for me. It, it gets across the board. I'm just sick of constantly finding reasons to be divisive and not value other people. And I just can't stop but think how, how much of a hindrance that has been to us taking steps forward as a civilization. Just because this person lives on the other side of a border, we, we vilify and criminalize them. Because this person lives on the other side of a state or of a city or of a town line where we have a football rivalry. Or because that person's rooting for the Yankees and I'm rooting for the Red Sox. Or we find all these awful reasons to separate people into different camps. And this is at a, a both macrocosmic and microcosmic level. We look for excuses as human beings to put people into this other basket and then to dehumanize them. And I feel like what's happening out there right now is just a really brutal and really obvious example of that. That that's my take on this. It's my Charlie Weiss take. Why do you have to be so reasonable? This know. is once again not not good television. It, it um, must be, it must be. I mean, the, the, there was a day I've had. I don't know which. Yeah. <laughs> I well, the, I mean, we we stumbled across a, a whole lot there. So the I mean the first thing I'll get the quickest question out of the way. What kind of flower? I'm gonna go What's the first thing? Daffodil. Daffodil okay. is the first one Perfect. that popped into my head. So we're Good, because we share 25% of the DNA uh, with the daffodil. So perfect. Good choice. But it, I mean, I didn't even mean to do this. It was just kind of a, oh, this has been kind of on my mind recently. I'll just give my own little quick hot take and then get to our other stuff. But second hot take. For those of you who have seen uh, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes episodes, the first one, the first movie, Moriarty, his whole shtick for being the bad guy is, is at the end of the day, he's just trying to make money. Um, honestly, I'm going to ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen it, I think it's like over a decade like old now. 15 so years. It's, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, you, you've had your chance, but he, he buys up all the weapons manufacturing and all that stuff. And then he buys up all of the, like a lot of the medical stuff, you know, the people that make bandages and supervise hospitals and stuff like that. And so, and then he, his final act is to start a war by assassinating an ambassador. And, the point is that he just makes money from both sides because he's embedded enough. And it's hard not to think that someone somewhere is at least trying to do that. And it's probably not just one person. It's probably a bunch of people. I mean, because, you know, again, the point that, that's been made so egregiously recently is for the Maui wildfires, since I wanted to talk about them so much, Biden was offering $700 one time to everybody who was in that. And someone pointed out that the aid that had gone to Ukraine up to that point on a per person basis in Ukraine was like $2,000 a person up to that point already. And I mean, I know it's longer and like a war is different from like a wildfire, but there is something to be said about why is all that money going over there when a lot of it could be here? Why, why is everyone in Maui getting 700 bucks when someone to be tribal, <laughs> someone in another country is getting more for a war that we're quote officially not involved in? It just feels like just it feels like there's always something. I don't know if it's like distracting to to keep us all enraged with each other or whatever. But I mean, it just feels like if people really gave a crap, a lot of this would be stopped or maybe sort of worse in the immediate future. A lot of it would get finished real quickly to, to use different language. So yeah. that's my thought. I mean, at the end of the day, it is bad. Taking someone's life is it is a line. 
that you can't come back from. And and it is important to realize, I mean, you know, sort of the golden rule, treat other people like you don't be treated. So like, where would I feel like someone's justified in taking my life, for example? And I can't think of many options. I can think of a few for sure. (laughs) I mean, I absolutely can come up with situations where, yes, you should absolutely off me. Thanks. But those are pretty few. I'll let you talk down, Tom, because I've been talking for a while, but I did want to make a point about the tribal thing. Since I'm Mr. Religious, cold, rational, and all that, I think I have an opinion that would surprise you on it. Can you be Mr. Religious and Mr. Rational at the same time? Yes. Okay. See, that was easy. Good talk. Was, was super um, easy. <laughs> really an inconvenience. I like it. Right. Yeah. Well, the, um, the, okay, so I guess I'll just keep going then. Hi, everybody. Welcome to One Dad Listening. <laughs> The um, welcome to one dad who's had a really crappy day and has drank his entire glass of whiskey and a shot before we started recording, and one dad who's reasonable and bringing some joy to the world because he just had a beautiful baby boy. No, welcome to no, that podcast. Okay, well, yes, okay, so I, I did have uh, a baby boy, he's like five days old now, four or five days old. Look at that, this is the birthday. Okay, well, I'm a, okay, so four days old. I, you should hey. know that, not me. No, I'm a, I'm a real. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a real dad. I don't I'm sorry. Know I, my it is, is funny to me. I, I just, you know, I've got the date on the tip of my tongue. That is a little funny to me. No, I know. I'm trying to be human. Uh, I'm trying to be a human, Tom. <laughs> the, I, I'm being the real dad. I'm like, ah, you know, it's more than two days. So, you know, we'll just guesstimate and keep going through our day. Um, well, the funny part about this kid is that my wife, when we talked about it, we we're like, well, let's, you know, October baby would be, would be fancy schmancy. And, uh, I was actually laughing the other day because I told her, I was like, you know, you really want an October baby. So why not have the kid born literally right smack in the middle of the month? Like just for the little extra, like oomph. There, you wanted one. <laughs> this is about as safe and secure as you can get from that perspective. But yeah, he's uh, everyone's happy. Everyone's healthy. We're all home. Came home quick. No issues. Went to the pediatrician today. Nothing flagged up there. So nice. got my Tdap vaccine about yep. three hours ago at the cvs so i can not give my kid whooping cough apparently I'm learning all sorts of new things again i'll say i learned a lot of new things every single time we had a kid like you just there's no right. you, you never really have it all you just don't and part of it's just the kids being different and part of it is how much everything changes over a couple of years for best practices and then a part of it's just you, you can't possibly learn it all one time around you just can't and then everything's no. just so constantly oh God, evolving no. yeah I did ask a, a lot of people who, when I ran into them, who had three kids, like, hey, what was it like from two to three? Because zero to one, mind boggling. You can't even imagine the change in your life. And then one to two, it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing. It's twice the work, maybe more, but at least you kind of know what you're getting into emotionally. So two to three, I was asking people like, what is it like? Is it like super easy? Is it way harder? Because now you're outnumbered. Like, what is it? And I got completely different answers. I got some people saying, oh, yeah, it's like 50% of one to two. And then I got other people saying, oh, it was actually the worst so far <laughs> because now you're outnumbered. And so far, I think it's been it's been easier for us. The kid is like super chill, though. Nice. And I mean, everyone tells the hero story. Oh, my my baby came out and he like played Beethoven real quick on the piano in the corner. Like, you know, so I'm going to be that dad. But he did pick yeah. his head up, turn his eyes, look over and all that, you know, and, and nice. like we all say. But he, you know how chill this kid is? The nurse is who he took like a him. Charlie Weiss opinion chill? Like, is he that? Is he that chill? Well, he's not stupid. Well, at least as far as we know. I never said Charlie Weiss was stupid. Just unexciting. I didn't, I didn't either. I just implied it. Man, that's all. <laughs> uh, and he, not worth um, the money. He did not cry enough. 
if you will, because you know they're supposed to cry and get all the like yeah. phlegm and, and and fluid and everything else out of their lungs. And she's sitting there going, "Come on, boy, you need to cry. You need to cry more." And she took the little thing to like suck out his fluid more and started like sticking it. And, and she basically looked at me and she was like, "I'm sorry. I'm basically trying to upset him right now because <laughs> he." He just didn't do it. And then apparently he still was gurgling a little bit for the next day or two. And we're like wondering if he's okay. And they're like, no, that's fine. He's just got more fluid there. So he just, he didn't cry enough. And I mean, he does cry a little bit, but after our second child, man, our second kid, she cried the moment she came out and we were like, oh, that sounds angry. And it was, it was, <laughs> we, we found out later it was angry crying. She definitely was always pissed instead of scared. And this kid, he cries like a, like a like a monk, he's just like, meh, meh. it's not like angry. It's just like cry. I'm upset. Like, they yes, they do. Yeah, all right. On the inside, because <laughs> of their vow of silence. <laughs> oh, anyway, okay. Stop derailing me, Sir Tom. I think my glass is empty. Hot do you have any, interrupt you? Do you have any more? I do, but that was like a three finger pour, and I I finished it way too soon. This is going to be a fun. <laughs> well, we can edit that out in post. Like, I can't see it. Bottle. What is it? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Doesn't really want to work in the camera. Oh my god! I saw it. It's a. It's okay. So, so free plug. It's Basil Hayden Dark Rye. Yes. Um, Basil Hayden's Small is delicious, batch. obviously. This and, is. Um, uh, I'm not much of a big drinker, but this is my favorite. This is my go-to. Oh, I'm gonna kill yeah. the bottle. Not that this is hard to do, but um, Tom is officially more bougie than I am. So, congratulations, you win. I, I don't think anyone has ever said that about me before. Well, um, you're talking to the king of what's the opposite of bougie? I can't even remember. Unbougie? Basic. I'm basic. I'm a basic bitch, by the way, in case you didn't know. I, I am also a very basic bitch, but this is yes. this is my drink. I don't drink uh I don't drink much. I get drunk once about every six or seven years is what it usually averages out to. Yeah. Um regular basically is my go to also. Freaking love it. It's so good. Yeah. yeah, I do have some others uh, that I like, but that's that's kind of the like, yeah, I'm having a good time just having some of that. This is um, my coping mechanism when I'm drinking to cope with a day. And I, I really I really do not approve of drinking as a coping mechanism. But every once but... in a while when I give in, <laughs> this is what I give in with. And since I just finished my bottle, that means I have to cope like a functional human being the next couple of days. Right. Yeah. So listen, everybody, if you're going to give in to advice and cope, make sure it's a fancy vice at least. Don't go for like the 7-Eleven dealer out back behind the cooler. Go to like the Ritz Carlton with, I mean, yes, he's a hobo, but he's got a comb over. Like, you know, at least that that level of, of care and attention. The, the easy cheap ones are too <laughs> too easy to become habit forming. You don't want that. You make it shit expensive right. and fancy so that you can't afford to make it a habit. Right. Work. Uh, so anyway, derailed again. Um, yes. You mentioned the tribal thing. I kind of, I mean, I, I, in a way, I sort of agree with you. Um, being tribal's, you know, not good, I guess. And I think there's, there's a whole, you like language. The term itself is sort of a negative connotation and implies, uh, I edit this out later. So it sounds like I didn't lose my train of thought or like I didn't pause so much. Um, We're putting a lot on D to clean this up. We are putting first. a lot on D. And that, that's assuming that we like the job he does in the first couple trial episodes. He's going to do a good job. He enough to want to work with us. Like, he <laughs> might gonna, do a great job, but then be like, these guys come are boring like, and crazy you, as shit. I don't want to work with you. You guys are fucking weirdos. I'm not going to work <laughs> with you. Yeah. He'd be like, screw you. Yeah, I'm a um, Crown Royale guy. You and your Basil Hayden. I'm not editing your stuff. Crown Royale? Come on. That's not even that fancy anymore. 
I mean, because yeah. everybody knows it's all about the cost that makes it fancy and definitely not the taste. It was it was one of my first dipping the toes in the water. Oh, really? Liquors, yeah. I first got it's good. I mean, I, Crown Royal is good. I, I just it, it's not it's not as good. I mean, like for the the right now prices, it's it's a pretty good deal. But Knob Creek, I think, is is a little bit better. Ooh, after we're done derailing you, we should talk a little bit about the, um, the Maker's Mark bourbon tasting that we did with our friend a week and a half Ooh. ago. That would be that's a plug I'm happy to give for a really fantastic yes. event. But yeah, anyway, back to um, yeah, kids one to two, yeah. two to three different rails, tribalism. Let's let's get it right. all into one big swoop. Since we've already covered all <laughs> sorts of covered things. it all, the saying something being saying we're tribal is automatically implying that it's bad it's the same way as saying something is is like such a medieval concept to use a a silly example and thank you to my daughter for giving me that because one of the books we were reading was about the library dragon and it used the the positively medieval kind of phrase in there so i was able to plug that one saying something is tribal though is implying less sophistication oh back in the day we were more tribal or oh you know some of those african tribes that that haven't seen like the internet and stuff like that or even if you want to get super nerdy and go all to star trek like oh this tribe hasn't been exposed to advanced technology so be careful and like the word tribe is always around people that are meant to be like not that they're like worthless or anything like that but it always implies less technological less sophisticated and so i think saying that we're tribal is meant to bring a negative connotation and i would argue it's actually the opposite i think people are if you if you're into the evolution survival of the fittest kind of thing people need to be tribal to survive and because tribalism doesn't just it, it, it brings the whole us versus them mentality but the focus is it brings an us mentality if you're just out there in the jungle, you know, maybe you found yourself a, a mate, a cave woman who, who, you know, likes your facial hair or something, then great, it's the two of you. But then you have a small human and you need to protect them from leopards and all that. So you find someone else who shares the same values as you and the value is let's not get killed by leopards. And you start building that up. Tribalism is sort of a natural progression of that technology, if you will. People don't think about it this way, but I actually, I absolutely think societal systems, laws, legalese functioning is its own technology because of the various advancements. And I think that's why, courtesy of, of the internet, a lot of Roman Empire thought happens on a day-to-day basis because Rome wasn't just big on aqueducts and construction and, and, and all that. They were particularly large on governing processes and and social systems and, and all that because they were one of the first societies at least in recorded history to say hey you weren't born a roman but you could earn your way into certain rights you were never a full roman you were second class but they were one of the first societies to say hey we'll actually treat you with some version of respect and let you do business and all that so that is a technology so i think if you i'm going to use a bad plug the movie i robot with will smith Thanks to our GIF from earlier. GIF? GIF? GIF, I believe. But the the old guy who's dead is narrating. He says, like, he tries to make a case for the ghost in the machine. And he says, put two robots in a shipping container alone. How come they always stand close together and they don't just, like, each stand in a corner? When I heard that, I kind of took that and thought, well, that's kind of how humans are. If you put two people in a shipping container with nothing else to do, what are they going to do? They're going to talk to each other. They're going to find out what they have in common. They might even find out something they don't have in common. If they're really not in common, one of them's going to kill the other one. But most likely, 
almost any two people on earth, if you put them in a dire situation together, even if they have nothing else in common, nothing else they agree on, they will help each other survive. And if they get out of it, they will have some weird bond for the rest of their life. They might never like hang out at a party, but they'll always be like, oh yeah, don't mess with that guy. Or, oh yeah, let's not do anything to them. Like that's, it's, there's a certain like love to that. So I think tribalism is a necessary component of human interaction. There's some um, unintended consequences that come with it slash people take it too far. You can use tribalism for good, but people often misuse it and, and try to selfishly take advantage of it later. Love your faces, Tom. Go for it. We have got a super strong disagree tonight, and that makes me yes. feel good. This this is but not you a know Charlie what? I'm, take. This is some I'm good stuck in a podcast with you, so I still love you. That's good, and I still love you too. And, and it's it's all right to disagree, and I'm I'm good with that. I wish the rest of the world would feel that way, and they don't. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I, I want to that was very eloquently and articulately stated. You you spoke that that whole bit. You did a great job. You spoke like a true propagandist. You did a great job. That was. Brilliant. I was going to say sophist because that softens the blow a little <laughs> there, bit. But there's but that yeah, too. I, I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to soften anything. Um, but we're going. We're going right at the surface here. Yes, tribalism makes sense back when we were worried about leopards eating our children, and and you know that that made sense back then. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed we've kind of evolved past that for the most part. Um, and tribalism, leopards. <laughs> leopards eating our children. Yes. Um, they still eat crocodiles and things underwater, apparently and anacondas, but our kids are, are, are more or less off limits to them these days. I, I don't mm. think tribalism is typically used in the sense of, um, underdeveloped, like the way you mentioned it. Um, you, you kind of implied, you know, we say we mean almost like third world country or, or our lesser civilization. Tribalism, when I'm using it is specifically meaning my camp against your camp, this camp against that camp. And while I agree that there was a purpose for it throughout most of, of human existence and, and most animals' existence, I mean, wolves hunt in packs for a reason. It makes a lot of sense when you're talking about the laws of nature, if you want to go there. If you want to go to like talking about the laws of nature and what exists at the basic level, it makes sense. But part of what has elevated us as a civilization above the rest of the animals in this world and the reason that we justify slaughtering other animals and eating them for pleasure is because we are operating at a higher level of society where we are supposed to all be working together toward a greater means and a greater goal toward progress and safety and development. And when you have tribalism inside of that time, inside of that network, it eats away at the infrastructure on the inside and makes it harder to progress. You introduce all this conflict you shouldn't have. If we didn't have this level of tribalism with Russia and Ukraine, would that nonsense have started? If we didn't have it with Israel and Palestine, would that have started? You know, it's this this sense of us versus you is this this camp tribal mentality is no longer about protecting us from nature. We have superseded that and done as good a job as we are possibly capable of doing at protecting ourselves from nature. It's never going to be perfect because nature is more powerful than we are on an individual level. We're never going to be able to withstand you know, a, a tornado at 100% efficacy. We're not going to be more, more mighty and safe than an earthquake or any of that. But we instead have taken this tribalist mentality that we no longer need to survive leopards and we apply it strictly toward people. And it is usually done in a way that one side gets to gain from the other and one side gets to breed hatred and animosity toward another. Yes, if you put two people in a Connex container and you ship them halfway around the world, they're going to wind up talking to each other and probably getting along and probably working together to survive the situation. But look at Cain and Abel. We'll make that reference. That didn't work out too well. And also, if you were to put more than two people in that box, if you were to put, say, 20 people in that box, all Just from three. different areas. Do three. 
No, you might I'm, have two versus one though. I'm speaking a little bit more of it from my 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 perspective because this is something <laughs> I saw in basic training. This was actually right. something that we saw very close hand in basic training. You put 20 or 40 people in that box, all from different areas and different backgrounds, and they don't get together based on common interests or on personalities or on the types of people they are. They get together based on what they identify as their background and heritage. So in boot camp for us, there was a gentleman who uh, he was from Puerto Rico. He was a big chess player. He was a big cards player. He played Magic the Gathering in high school. He played basketball and football in high school. He wrestled. He was a nerd like me. He was in my, my platoon in basic training. And it turns out we had everything under the sun in common. Single mom with multiple kids. Like we really had almost everything you could have in common in common. And we didn't have a conversation about it and get to know each other until the 11th week of like a 15 week boot camp. Because when it started, all the Puerto Rican guys hung out together and ignored everybody else. And all the African-American guys got together and avoided everyone else. And the white guys who weren't meatheads got together and hung out. And then the white guys who were meatheads hated everybody and everybody hated them. And they got left out and kind of became lone wolves. But come to find out, like week 11 or 12, we're doing a, a 10-mile road march and we're walking next to each other. And, uh, and he's talking to himself. And I heard him say something like E4. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, D5. And he looked up at me and was like, oh, are we doing this? And it started this conversation. <laughs> and it just turns out that we you had- You want to go mental right, chess? Right. <laughs> and it turns out that we had a ton in common. I mean, I really, aside from where we grew up, we could not have had more in common. But we didn't even know anything other than the other person's last name and what we were good at in basic training for 11 or 12 weeks. And that's the kind of tribalism that gets in the way of things, because immediately when you fall into those tribal camps based on whatever you want to draw the line on, when you start automatically excluding people and treating other people with animosity or malignity or, or even just indifference because they're not a part of your tribe, you're not helping anything progress. You're not helping anything get better. And the whole point of our civilization is that we come together to do that. We're not a melting pot anymore. The world is, is not coming together in a bigger melting pot. And I don't know if the whole world should or not. That's a much bigger conversation. One world government scares the hell out of me. But I do think that we have gotten so tribal, it becomes an excuse to hate others and build ourselves up against other people. You see it with gangs. You see it with, you see it with every facet of our society and our culture. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot more of it than I want to. But if you look at the the mob, the Italian mob, the Irish mob, you look at any any organized structure and the lines are drawn. And if you're outside those lines, you're the enemy and you don't get a chance to come inside those lines unless some extreme outlier happens. That's what tribalism is to me when I say that. It, it has nothing to do with development. It has nothing to do. Yes, there's a negative connotation there, but it's not underdeveloped or impoverished or poor. It's strictly people drawing a line that is more harmful than beneficial. That is an outdated concept of survival that we don't need anymore. And once upon a time we did, but we're not fighting leopards anymore. That's not where we are. And instead we're drawing these lines and we're killing ourselves just because of the other. So um, another one of Tom's puzzle pieces that he referenced earlier for who he is. Um, that was Tom yelling at me because he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Fair. If I like um, you, that's how I yell at you. Yeah, right. Um, I love that I you mean, pick up is. on that, though. I really do, because there are people <laughs> close to me in my life who don't get that concept. 
guys, Tom is really angry at me right, right now, considering all of his training for killing people. I'm really <laughs> glad that we're separate. <laughs> I came into the podcast mad tonight. I apologize. Oh, I really? Know, it's been a it's been a weird day, wow. and I, I literally came set up to fail. But this, you know, no, no, no. It, this is great. This is good. Um, at the risk of trivializing this a little bit, I do sort of I do agree with you, like to a degree. I mean, I, I tribalism is not good it would be nice if it wasn't there i think i think that i view it as a feature of humanity and not a bug and you view it as a potential bug at least like something it would be nice to eventually software update out of the way and it's the appendix is what it is it, it had a purpose oh, at right. one point in time and it was it, i'm sure and you important. can take it out and people can still live though so like yeah. there may be some chance to to get rid of it eventually i, I think it's i i do think there will always be some level of tribalism i mean if you want to carry it out um bill and ted you know bill and ted's excellent adventure like oh yeah your music is going to create world you know peace and, and unite humanity and all that stuff um doug's gonna yell at me in a minute yeah i haven't oh, no. seen that one <laughs> i haven't seen bill and ted um attention everyone this will be our final episode <laughs> <laughs> it's been a good run see you later <laughs> We were more successful than 70% of the podcast this start. However, well, this we is now up, a bogus adventure. If we and, chop uh, up everything into 15 episodes, then we'll pass the median. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I'm going to yell at you now for realsies. No, That's but fair. seriously, the um, the I think tribalism, just to use that shortcut, I guess, for, for what I'm trying to get at. I think that is a feature of humanity, not a bug. I think there's always going to be some version of that. And and it is healthy to a degree. I mean, I think if used correctly, for example, like the sports thing, like the, we all know the sports fan who's like, oh, because I'm an Ohio State fan and a Notre Dame fan. So when I hear a Michigan fan, I'm like, boo. But, you know, you're still a real human being. I still love you. I, I know at least three good people who are Michigan fans. That's OK. That's healthy. That's that there is if it spurs some level of competition, that's a good thing. And, and I mean, there is nothing better than knowing that you know just because your arch rival is sucking this year they can still come in and whoop your ass kind of thing from from like a competition perspective that that is good it keeps you on your toes but i carry out all the way to like a world peace kind of situation world peace just means we don't have a russia ukraine an israel hamas kind of conflict but but you bet your ass there's still going to be a little terrorist cell here or a gang and mafia here, there kind of thing. So, I mean, you, you still need to keep, it doesn't mean you stop working on it, but it just means you keep trying to progress. And, and I, I do sincerely mean it when I say that society, societal systems, even, I don't want to say culture, because culture is not really the right word, but those are also technological in a way. They, they do advance, they do improve, they do perform better. And just because we won't completely get rid of tribalism doesn't mean we shouldn't try to keep progressing past it. And and that that's where my take is. So that, that's why I think tribalism is good, but it is on people to continually give. I mean, the perfect example is kind of like what you mentioned with your, your Puerto Rican guy and your unit. Yes. You guys have all this stuff in common, but you know, another thing that people have in common is skin color, ethnic background, stuff like that. So it's not wrong for him to start out like, you know, hanging out with other Puerto Rican guys, it's, it, but we need to get to that 11th week faster. And that's what we need to slowly happen. I mean, everyone likes to talk about it now. And, and while I think some of it is, is alarmist or not alarmist, damn it. 
you go back a hundred to 200 years in this country and there's all, all the law cases that, that brought about desegregation and all that stuff. To me, that is advancement socioculturally. That is breaking down some of the bad tribalism stuff. It doesn't look that way and it doesn't feel that way because that's not what we think about when we say tribalism or tribes. But that's really what's happening here. And you want another hot take? If you want to really, if you're if you're one of those people that really cares about advancing society, about getting to inch by inch closer to that world peace kind of mentality, maybe avoiding the whole, you know, nuclear World War Three kind of concept, which is suddenly a lot more realistic recently than it yeah. was before. We need to be getting rid of things like black only colleges or black owned business prompting because and and I'm not trying to shit on black businesses or shit on like black only colleges. Those were created for a reason because there was not an avenue for for that back in the day. And and, and you needed that, you know, those tribes needed to create their own opportunities. I mean, 120 years ago, the Irish were the laughing stock of America. It's a random fact of mine that I love to say. Why do you think the big cop cars are called paddy wagons? No one ever knows why, because they were always filled with Patricks and Patricias fighting in the bars because Irishes were uh, the Irish Irishes. There we go. Irishes. Now we're on the PBR podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Irish people were the drunks. They were the fighters. They, they It was a joke. It was like, oh, you have a bar fight. It's probably a couple of Irish people. So they nicknamed paddy wagons because they were always filled with patties and that still stuck around to this day even though the irish are nowhere near any sort of like marginalized group nowadays the chinese were horrendously marginalized during the 1800s with all the railroad construction and everything else i mean there was reports of you look back at, at the reported deaths of railroad workers they basically deliberately put chinese workers into the dangerous situations because they felt like there's so many of them who cares the scene from blazing saddles is 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 they laugh at it but <laughs> right. it is so spot on for how they were treated during the the, right. of the railroad tracks when you realize how realistic that attitude is and how it was actually held that's actually a horrible moment in that movie like you laugh at it and then right. if you realize how real it is it's like oh that's yeah. dark but that's but that's the point is that you know what Despite all of our faults, we have, we've gotten past all this stuff. And you know what? To a degree, we've done it kind of quickly because, I mean, we, we, you have 300, 400, 500, 1,000 year stretches in various civilizations of the same, at least as far as we can tell. And then all the stuff we've just talked about has been 150 years. So why can't society advance exponentially like other technology? But it requires individual little leaps and and people going along with it and trust me even though i i don't like to think of myself as a conspiracy theorist there are people in power right now who want us to hate each other because it makes more money for them and it keeps and, them in power yeah but but you know and that's the thing i mean if they just wanted power we wouldn't like i mean you and i wouldn't be on this podcast right now we'd we'd probably literally be like bunkering down in our homes kind of thing so they need people around to be in power, so they need people to feel like people are free because you can't – I mean, you can rule over a subjugated people, but you, but it's, it doesn't give you the same jollies. Like if there's something more fanciful or, or sophisticated about ruling over people who think that they're making their own decisions, and at least that's what these ruling people think. But at the end of the day, they're in power because they want money. That's all they really want. I firmly believe the root of all evil is selfishness. 
I mean, there are a select few people like the Joker and Batman who just want to watch the world burn, but most of evil is just selfishness. It's kind of like a, a microcosm of tribalism. Me, not you. Yeah. And if I have to burn you to get more for me, like, why not? That's that's a you problem. It's a you so, problem. Exactly. And I mean, we do it all the time. How many times have I been like, oh, my kid or you? What do you think I'm going to pick? Like, you know, just don't make me make that choice and we'll be fine. But like, that's a kind well, of a little bit of that same mentality, at least. But we have to aim that. But it's different because what we're specifically talking about is is not, you know, my kid or you. It's not, am I going to get on to the podcast tonight? Or am I going to go console my kids and sing bedtime songs and get my sick kid to sleep? Well, well, we're I would talking tell you to go to your tribalism. kids. <laughs> well, yeah. But, yeah, but what we're talking about is when tribalism becomes actively harmful to someone else. And, and that's, when that's kind of what this. it is there. Yeah, when it creates this. Yeah. This is kind of where we are. Yeah. And I mean, I, like I really good. Oh, no. I mean, like, it's just it, for me, it's like if you sit back and think about it, why is Putin continuously in power? He doesn't get his jollies over just lording over people because. Russia would look a lot different. He wouldn't be, there wouldn't be all the propaganda trying to convince Russians that they're not bombing Ukraine because you, you want Russians to think that they're a good country, but he wants to rule over that. So if he just wanted to rule over people's lives, he wouldn't care about, you know, making Russians look good. He would just subjugate Russians. Yep. But he, but what he really wants is the influence and, and the wealth and, and, and kind of the tyrant mentality. And a tyrant is not someone who just destroys other people. A tyrant is someone who lords over other people. And you've got to keep other people semi-cared for to rule over them. And it's sort you've of a to, sick... You've got to keep them in a state where it's possible to, to maintain what you have. And, and you've right. got to have the matrix. You have to have a world where people think that they're free and think that they're happy. And and maybe don't necessarily know what's going on, and that's probably a bit of an extreme example. But well, I was gonna say everything I learned, I learned from the Fast and the Furious, where the guy's like, "Oh, you want real power over people? Turn off their electricity." <laughs> yeah, no, that <laughs> kind works. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one thing I took away out of that that whole thing you said I, that I really liked is, you know, the goal should be to get to that eleventh week faster. The goal should be to get there and to find that common ground and and to realize that you and I may be different and we may have differences and we may be in different tribes, but we have a lot in common. And from there, you can realize that we're both people with lives that are valuable and that deserve respect. And and that's what we're lacking. And, and the sad thing to me is that the way tribalism tends to work in these most extreme situations is that people never get the chance to get to that 11th week. There's a, a really solid chance that Iraqi insurgents and I had a lot in common. Chess is very popular out there. Spicy food is very popular out there. They're very artistic, scholarly people in that region. There's a really solid chance that a lot of those people out there and I had a lot in common. But if an IED goes off or return fire goes off through a window or a Mark 19 drops a building, we never get that chance to reach that 11th week. Same thing with Russia and the Ukraine right now. You think these Russian soldiers who are over there don't have a lot in common with the people in Ukraine? You think there's not a lot of common ground to stand on? You don't think they have an 11th week they might be able to reach? But they're not going to get it because our tribalism sets the bomb off before week 11. And that's that's the problem with it. Yeah. Can I be vulnerable for a second? I think it's allowed. Yeah, you've been drinking and you recently had a kid. and Yeah, I think it's allowed tonight. So can I unbutton this button then? Um, are you going to do like a Fitz magic dance and like show the chest hair, the, uh, the stern bush? I don't have enough beard to be a Fitz magic. <laughs> if you got enough stern bush, you can like comb it up and make up for the difference. It'll be a Fitz tragic. I like that. I like that. Um, 
Love you, Ryan Fitzpatrick. As a Dolphins fan, I really love you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's who we should get to do our intro. That's who we should get to do our intro. magic. Yeah, and then we could have Travis Kelsey punching you for owning him. (laughs) Hey, his girlfriend lives in Westerly. She lives right across the street from me. We're good. I've Mm -hmm. been to her house. I've been to her $7 million mansion on the water. So, yeah, let's bring him on. So, so me being vulnerable. Um, way back at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, well, if you're Hamas, then you're a douchebag," and obviously, like, "fuck you," kind of thing was was what I portrayed. And while that's still mostly true, um, the the vulnerable part for me is, because a lot of the debate right now has been Israel striking back, innocent civilians cross caught uh, caught in the crossfire, excuse me, and 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 a lot of people's take is sorry collateral damage and all that and i mean that's another sad fact of life is there's collateral damage in, in all sorts of stuff you know even even in smaller scales um part of me wants to say well that is a sad fact of life i mean if if, if the israelis don't want to keep being subjected to this they have to do something and and you can't it's not realistic to think, oh, they can send like a smart bullet to every terrorist and spare every civilian. That's just not how real life works. And so part of me says, well, the Palestinians who are still there, who haven't left, like I want to say it's kind of on them. But then I, I sit there and I think if Biden or the DOJ or the Defense Department or something like that, if they did something horribly egregious, like bad, like, well, <laughs> let's be clear, they've probably done some egregious, bad, horrible things, but there's enough proverbial news money laundering, if you will, to make it at least seem like maybe it's not them. Um, to make sure the CIA is just like doing crimes against humanity all the time, at least in certain spots, probably. By the way, this might also be our last podcast for a different reason. <laughs> uh, for the record, listeners, but... <laughs> I am not suicidal. I don't believe Doug is either. So what? The, whatever the headline says. I love says, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, whatever that <laughs> headline says, don't believe it. <laughs> Doug, Doug, who's that? Oh, black bag. <laughs> um, but if the USA just decided like, you know what? Fuck you, Honduras. And just like bomb the shit out of the place. And Honduras was like, oh, hey, actually, uh, just kidding. We have a nuke and we're sending it to Ohio. Sorry about you. Like, I would feel kind of like, well, hey, wait a minute. I, I didn't get a say in this. Right. Well, those people in Ohio, like Doug, you know, they, they, they're there willingly living around this tyrannical government. Well, yes, kind of. And, and I mean, I'm collateral, but here's the other thing. This is why, this is why I'm being vulnerable. I'm not capable of just being like, oh, well, you know, Joe Biden or, or his department of defense or the CIA or whoever is a problem. So I'll just march my ass to Washington and like pick one of them off. That's not how this works. So if I'm collateral, you know who else is collateral? My wife, my kids, including my four-day-old son. And there are real people in Gaza who fit that bill. And and for whatever reason, out of fear or inability or whatever, they wouldn't be able to get out of there. And and it's, it's to, to support Tom's point in the end, tribalism does lead to that collateral and i can't fault the israelis almost for whatever they do because they have to protect themselves too like i mean us versus them like you gotta look out for number one if i'm presented with almost any choice that says you and or your family is gonna go or this other person's gonna go i mean what do you think i'm gonna choose even if it's a i i hate to be this way but like if if it's like doug 
your wife and kids will die or you have to kill this innocent person. And I know it's like the French, like, you know, ticking time bomb interrogation kind of mentality. That's not probably really realistic, but let's pretend for a second that's a scenario. What am I going to pick? Really? And like, really, what am I going to pick? And, and and so at the end of the day, what we should be doing is trying to get past this stuff. And anything that happens along the way, we have to feel bad. And if we have a chance to punish those responsible, we should. And that is the line I am willing to cross. If you are a net detriment to the advancement of, of human civility and you're doing it on purpose, I, I actually have less of a problem making sure you're not a problem anymore because that could eventually come around and impact my family. Not me. I don't care about me. I care about my family. I care about me too. So, so I'm not yeah, well, you have a nicer beard than I do. So I, I have to follow. I got to trim this. Thing. Follower, so not a leader. Bradley, I need a haircut. It's yeah, I'm, I'm actually in rough shape. Never mind. I just went like what my daughter said. My daughter. We were uh, before our, our son was born. So this was like a week ago ish. Five-year-olds at school, three-year-olds running around the house doing whatever in the playroom. And she's like playing with her one of her baby dolls. Like, oh, yeah, you like this. Oh, you want to have a, you know, a snack? Okay, go to bed now. And then she runs around the table where my wife's sitting just picking up, you know, toys, trying to semi-clean up after her. And then she picks up this little like light-up shark gun and she goes, I'm going to shoot everybody. Wow. <laughs> We both looked at each other like, what? Oh. You watch Baby John and Little Angel. Where the fuck did you hear that from? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, something she heard or figured out somewhere. It was probably like a Bluey reference with like a bubble gun or something. I don't know, or a water gun. But I have to watch Bluey a little more closely now. I don't know. Or she just came up with it on her own. Like, you know, she understands what shooting is, even if she doesn't think of it as violent. Yeah. Turns out wow. Bandit will not be my first tattoo, by the way. We uh, we ruled that one out. We're, we're doing something else. But man, uh, it's you... a bluey update. Bandit will be my second tattoo and not my first. Is this like your midlife crisis? No, no, not at all. My midlife it crisis has to is be, though. be something no, very different. You, I don't know what you it are, be yet. But... You are 40 plus, sir, and I you am. don't have any tattoos. So going from zero to one, this is obviously a crisis. You know no, what? it's not a crisis it's a, at all. It's supposed to be more rebellious now, more edgy to not have any tattoos because you were not one of the people that went with the flow in our generations and got a tattoo. It's fair. I mean, this is I have to believe this because that's the only way I can possibly be edgy. <laughs> Yeah, you're not because I don't have it. Consider edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's all right. You've got lots of other wonderful attributes. You don't need to be edgy. You're a beautiful human being without being edgy. That's a rare thing. Mm, You managed to not be edgy and also not be a complete sheep. And for that, I respect you. Yeah. So actually, I was thinking about that for tonight. I was thinking I should bring up in the in the interests of war, Team America, World Police. There is a whole lot. Have you seen that? Oh, God, yes. So many times. Thank goodness. My so God. Okay. Durka, 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 Muhammad Jihad. A lot. Durka, Durka. My favorite Everybody absolute has. line. AIDS, 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 AIDS. <laughs> um, no, I was going to bring up, and I was going to be horrendously politically incorrect by saying that people want to push the LGBTQ, one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever it is nowadays. In case you want to know my opinion on that, you just figured it out. Um, that movie reminded me that there are only two and a half kinds of people. Dicks, pussies, and assholes. That's right. Because in the real world, everyone is an asshole. Yeah. If you really want to carry it out, you could have people who are 
pussies and have dicks because we've been subjected to that kind of mentality nowadays. But even if you carry this logic out to its end, there's only like four or five different types of people. So there can't possibly be that many letters, but I digress. So I was thinking that I was going to ask you, Tom, what are you? And and I can show you mine first. No, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. This is easy for me. This is super <laughs> okay, easy. Because I'm basically oh. I'm basically a pussy that sometimes is a dick. Oh, okay. That's really what I am because I, I do I do like to respect people and and try to keep the peace and all that. I really okay. don't like my violence, but you know what? If I have to fuck an asshole, I might have to. And yes, I won't like it because I'll get shit all over me. Okay. All right. That's but, fair. But if it has to happen, I'll do it. All right. That's fair. I'm I'm none I'm none of those things. I'm I'm the outlier in this example. It's going to throw the whole thing out. Um, You're an appendix. No, no, I'm not the appendix. I'm anti-appendix. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think I, I I'm probably the taint because oh, I feel like no. most. I, yeah, I feel like most of the people on this side. All of you do assholes, is get punched and hurt. No, no. Most of the people on this side of me are assholes. A bunch of the ones on this side of me are dicks, and everybody else is just nuts. So I'm clearly the taint. Like that's got, that's what I have to be. Where's the pussy? Mm, no i'm on the other anatomy unfortunately mm, so you're not one no i'm pretty far from that one at least like one thing i can say for myself with better confidence <laughs> this, is i am far from a pussy so <laughs> this can be I'm, I'm just basically saying you you can't choose between being a dick and being an asshole yeah, that's fair well, I'm, I'm gonna stick with being a scrotum then and just be nuts and i'm good with that <laughs> All right. it's the best speech ever in a movie there's so much fantastic. truth. There's there's so much truth in that speech, though. Like, if you really want to get right down to basic primal human instinct, there's a lot of truth there, yep. unfortunately. And for the longest time, I didn't even want to accept the whole, like, world police satire, but it's so fucking true. Oh, it my is. God. Yep. Well, we blew up the Empire State Building and, and the Eiffel All Tower. And, and yeah, <laughs> we blew up, like, an entire country. But we saved the day. You're welcome. Everyone love us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Oh my god, it's just it's so freaking true. Those guys just have a a, a absolute beeline on on the human condition more yep. so than I think I think most other people in history have had. They they seem to understand humanity better than most, I would say. <sighs> humanity is a shit show. Yes it is. It's got its beautiful moments, but it's everyone's, a shit show. Everyone's fucking everybody else to stay with the topic. Man, we didn't even get to any of the like stuff. We were like, oh, let's talk about this. We've yeah. already been going over an hour. I actually thought that most of tonight was going to be spent talking about your newborn son and probably talking about something dad related about when we have kids or maybe sharing stories. And like, I yeah. actually, that's where I thought we were going to go. Did not think we were going to take this direction. Not <laughs> right even the, a little bit. Right the Gaza Strip. I'm sitting yeah. here clicking a pen like uncomfortably and incessantly. It's made from a 7.62 round. And I'm just like fiddling with it and clicking it and talking about tribalism <laughs> nice. and telling war stories. And yeah, it's not yeah. what I thought we were going to well, get. We can switch. I mean, we can make this a two part or two. Hey, everybody, welcome to Two Dads Talking <laughs> Part Two, Episode Let's not 37. Do that tonight. Nope. I've got a 10 hour day tomorrow. To no, no, no. We're not. We're not. No, we're not. We're not going that far. But I was going to say the, the, um, being the dad thing i mean it is it is neat what tom was alluding to was i, I mentioned that i want to talk about moving and just the general family advice if you will or, or fatherly advice that comes with moving the really really short version is when me and my wife got engaged we 
thought, oh, okay, well, we're going to buy a house, right? Because we're going to like have a new house when we when we move in together. We're not going to live at your old place because your sister's still there. And we're not going to live at my apartment because she kind of bluntly told me like, I'm not going to live at a place where maybe <laughs> other women got brought home. Like, you don't know me. <laughs> Slash, we won't talk about that. So we we thought, okay, well, we'll shop for a new house. I'm into seller's market. So we'll, it might take a couple months to find a place we like and actually get an offer accepted in Boba. Well, we ended up finding a place within like a month and getting into contract. So we bought a house while we were still engaged and me being the good Catholic boy that I am. Um, never met Father Christopher though. <laughs> Illusion. Um if you get that reference, thank you very much. I hope <laughs> thank you, you like for subscribing. <laughs> um, the the way everything worked out, I moved into the house early, and then after we got married, she joined, and we moved all our stuff in, and all that stuff. So I really did like I was kind of hardline, like let's do it right. That's a whole other discussion another time about like divorce rates and cohabitation, and and you know the rationale behind it and all that fun stuff. So. Got the house. We lived there for about three years. We had our first kid there. And then we decided to take advantage of the market still. And we ended up selling it right as COVID is ramping up because the place that she used to live at was now sitting there vacant because her sister got married too. And that was already paid free and clear because that was a sheriff's sale. So it's like there's this vacant house that we could live in, like no mortgage payment. And so it would be stupid for us not to take advantage of this, right? And build up some funds, new kid, all that. So we moved in there. Um, we moved in there while we were pregnant with our second kid. So second kid was born while we were living there. We ended up living there for about eight months because, you know, at first we were like, oh, we'll live here for two to five years. And then we started shopping anyway, because we're both kind of circling around real estate at this point. And then we found a really good deal. And so we decided to, we, we actually got an offer accepted. That was a good deal. And so then we moved there. And then that's my joke was that we can leave that house until we had a third kid. And she always glared at me when I said that. I thought it was funny because, you know, it's comedy gold because we had had a kid in each house. So we finally made it through a house without having a kid. But we got our new place in, in May, so about like five-ish months ago. And and we did that while being pregnant. So that's kind of like the, the thing is that, oh, well, every time we move, we have a kid. So I thought, considering that my, my son was just born, moving would be a good discussion because I've moved a lot. <laughs> We've lived in like five different places since we've known each other in, in you know, six years, seven years. So we don't want to move again. It's fair. Now we were looking at one more good move ahead of us at some point. We, uh, we don't like the current house that we're in. It was, it was a hell of a deal and it was a good deal, but it's more of a fixer upper than we realized. And we just need mm. more space. And it's, we've got one more good move ahead of us in the next two to three years, I think. That sounds like what we did. And I mean, that that was going to be the, the topic was that I actually have some good old grandpa level, like 60 year old advice to give on moving. Maybe we'll do that next time. Then it'll yeah, be we'll a probably boring to, topic. Uh, it'll be a I useful know. one. <laughs> so Doug, I love those thoughts you just gave on tribalism and I love the take you just gave. <laughs> We're good at triggering each other. We are. Give your That's beard one thing. more week. Don't shave it for one more week. I want to. I want to see it when it's a little bit more Athenian. All right. I appreciate your beard because it's like jet black and it looks like it fills a little bit more like out and down. Maybe yeah. when you don't shave it so much. So mine, it like <laughs> it's like a taxis bush. It kind of goes 
and just blows out if I don't <laughs> shave it for a while. So basically, I get more hobo looking the longer I go. And I haven't actually let it go more than a month-ish or, okay. or two months-ish. So I don't really know. Yeah. But I, I don't really want to subject my wife to that. Sure. She's never actually seen me without a beard. That's interesting. She's only seen me with a beard. I've never shaved completely since I even met her. Because That's you know, actually really interesting. Wow. Yeah, well, you know what? And you'll appreciate this, Tom. I didn't have any more court dates <laughs> after <laughs> I met my wife. So shaved for all the court dates. Yep. Never even met the judge, but it was fine. Did did I mention um did I ever tell the story about when I was born and I grew my beard out? Probably the, the big largest I've ever grown my beard out, just unkept and, and I went to court for a case. Did I ever tell you that story? No. While well, you were still an auxiliary officer. I was an auxiliary at this point. I had left the police department. We had our daughter. Chief, then made a really good chief, but I was also a pretty high speed officer. I worked hard, and they they wanted to keep me involved as much as they could. But I was, you know, I I had a really good chief at that point. We we had a couple Mm. of we had a bad one, and we had a good one, and Mm. and the leadership at the lower level was all good. But we were really hurting on manpower. Like Newport News is not a city that's ever been a hundred percent strength manpower, as far as I'm known. Like they've always Mm. been in like that forty to fifty percent manpower, and kind of any any good help they can get, they're going to take. So. We um got pregnant with my first our first child, and I realized pretty quickly I didn't want to be working 60, 65 hour weeks plus court time anymore with a kid. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not the best. Oh, While the shit, job dude. was fun, and and I felt really good about what I was doing, and it was it was a good fit for me. That's five days of like twelve hours plus, though. I mean, that's um, that's rough. Yeah, it was supposed to be four 10-hour days, three days off. Usually, you were picking up an extra shift for somebody or when they were critically short and they'd call people in. So it was normally like five 10-hour days. And then your 10-hour days very frequently stretched to like 12, 14. You'd have some days where you'd, you'd, you'd work. Oh, yeah. You take shift. that call with like 30 minutes left and you're like, yeah. well, shit. Yeah. 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 Right. And then, and then you got court you have to go to and it's a case they can't move. So you go to court and you sit through court and you get home, you get three hours sleep and then you're back in for your next shift. Like that's that was the life. And and while my wife was going through her grad school, it was fun. She was always in a cadaver lab or a classroom anyway. So, you know, whatever. I wasn't going to see her anyway. Um, <laughs> Found our new topic. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, once she got a job, once she was pregnant with a kid, it was like, oh no, this, this is a big part of why my parents got divorced and I'm not going to bring that on my family. I'm going to be more of a husband and a father than I am going to be a police officer. Sort of the same reason I got out of the military that I wanted to be a husband more than I wanted to be a, a warrant officer and fly helicopters. So I decided to get a different job and then I went to public teaching, public education, got, got my certificate to teach English, went ahead and, and got a job. Well, about Three or four months after I left. So daughter born, school, Christmas break takes place. I feel no need to shave for like a straight month. There was just no necessity for me to shave. And the whole time I was a police officer, I was clean shaven pretty much all the time. Occasionally I'd have a goatee, but I mean, I was I was really clean shaven pretty much all the time. Um, you look weird clean shaven. Yeah, well, it's, it's when, I'm, when I'm fit and healthy, I look good clean shaven. I'm a As an older bitch. gentleman who I look up to somewhat. Yeah. I prefer so, the beard. <laughs> so no one on the department had ever seen me with a beard really of, of any significance. And then I go about 40 days without shaving. And I walked into court in a suit. It was a felony case that I had. And I had to go back in and, and you know, help prosecute and be a witness. So I go in for this case and I'm wearing a suit and I got a full beard on. I got my case file tucked under my arm. And I walk in and walk right up to the prosecutor. And I'm like, hey, good to see you. A long time. Been a couple months. And he looks at me and he goes, do I know you? And I was, was like, this uh, the naked guy? No, 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 no. This wasn't that case. Ah, That's a whole okay. different story. But uh, <laughs> but but I looked at him and I said, seriously? He goes, holy shit, Gamash. I said, yeah. He goes, God damn, man, you 
you, you look like you're freaking Iraqi or something. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Jesus. Like that, that's a hell of a statement. All right. So we're, we go through the motions and, you know, <laughs> we, we go through our briefings and we're, we're ready to get out there and do our thing. It's a circuit court case. And the judge who was, who was uh, the circuit court judge was recently, I guess, promoted is the word, but he was a, a relatively new circuit court judge, but I dealt with him on the lower circuits for, for years. And I liked him a lot. He's a great guy. <laughs> and we got to call the case and he calls it and he's asking about witnesses. They called me up to the stand. And I, I stood up in my suit and I come walking up and he looks at me. He goes, Gamash? I said, yes, your honor. God damn, man, you look like a terrorist. <laughs> That's even worse than the other guy Put called that. me an Iraqi. Put that in the record. <laughs> yeah, like there, there are implications to one. The other one is pretty blatantly racist. <laughs> but that was the first time they saw me with a beard. And that was the general. Um, it, the I general mean, I believe consensus. it, though. Like I, there's like that one picture of you floating around without a beard. And then you do look. You you you're one of those guys that looks really different without a beard. Yeah, I think it. I think it's because of just the jet black hair. Maybe. I there's tried some to gray I, in here. The gray doesn't come through on the camera so well, but there's some gray in here. Thank goodness. Some it's the filter. But I tried to pull a fast one of my kids, and I was like, "Hey, girls, who's this?" And I showed a picture of like me clean shaven forever ago, and they're like, "Uh, that's you, Daddy." <laughs> Damn it! That's you before the, the handlebar <laughs> mustache and the butt raving. <laughs> Whoa, 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 oh no. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that not supposed to tell that story on the camera? I'm sorry. Increase the gain <laughs> and make sure you get the best sound quality possible right there. <laughs> right. No, no, I was the one being well, then you know what? No. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's much not better. better that story either. Yeah. No. No, we've never actually talked about that story. We should save it for another time because it's starting to get late. It is. I love that story though. Like now that I've gotten like really past it, it's a great story. I mean, when you can have handlebar mustaches and beer pong and New Jersey and an arrest all in the same story, yeah. when you live in Ohio and not New Jersey, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> that does make it a little bit better. <laughs> right. All right. Um, so oh, we can listen to that. Po- what? We didn't. Oh, the jokes. dad jokes. Yeah. Oh my we, God. We almost let that go. Oh, shit. It's like, we don't even know who we are anymore. I know. Right. And and I gotta say, I I picked mine tonight based on the fact that you had a new baby, and it turns out it's an even mm. better fit for the topics we had than I realized. I was all, I was in tune with the universe. Am I gonna be saying something like "opa" at the end? No, 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 <laughs> okay. no nothing. This is a dad joke. This is a terrible, bad, short, sweet dad joke yes. at its finest. But I it's love it. okay. It is just perfectly in keeping with where our conversation went tonight. That's excellent. Okay, hit me with it. What do you call a group of? 40 babies. Uh, An um, infantry. I got the eye roll and uh, the group. Look at that. And the, and the like, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Wow. That was really good. Oh, you know when it like tingles a little bit, like yeah. in, your, in your triceps, not your biceps, your triceps. Mm, that was a good. The universe knew oh, where our God. conversation was, was going to Like <laughs> Right. Yep. Well, mine is kind of ironic considering the recent news. Oh, um, Alanis Morissette. Punchlines, Alanis Morissette. Got it. Good. No, and actually it doesn't really have, I don't have to have a guess. It's just it's just a one-liner. Are you ready for it? Go for it. I tell dad jokes, but I have no kids. I'm a faux pas. Cute. I mean, it, like I said, that's what I'm going for. I'm going for yeah. cute. I like Obviously. It. Yeah. I like that's what my wife wanted. She wanted edgy and cute. And she got neither. She got she got cute, <laughs> I guess. She got cute ish. Yeah. She got well, cute. that's that's only me clean shaven if that arrest had gone <laughs> a different direction. Hey, I think you're cute. And I've only had uh, like, you know, six fingers of 
whiskey and a shot of mead for your baby. So, you know. How many fingers? Uh, six, I think. There's a much worse joke going on in here. Oh, I'm sure there is. But I've, I've had, like I said, I mean, I've, had, I've had two glasses of Basil Hayden. I don't care anymore. We've talked about fingers and cute and edgy and taint all in the same podcast. So And, and nuts and dick and and. and yeah. and assholes and <laughs> and good luck with this <laughs> <laughs> well until next time keep those uh those charlie weiss takes coming make sure you're you know looking at the world through the eyes of someone who just has nothing new or interesting or deep to say and uh stop being tribalism but for realsies you guys are wonderful and if you were in a shipping container i would totally cozy up to you Everything he said and um, strive to get to that 11th week. I think that's going to be a t-shirt I'm going to wear at some point. Just try to hit that 11th week. It's a really good t-shirt. Get to the 11th week. And then it just shows two guys running and a little pawn right between them to show their love. As long as they're dribbling basketballs while they run. Or the queen of hearts. Bye, Felicia's again. (laughs) (laughs) 